0: We're starting this new series today as Life in the Desert. Um, last last year, um, last fall, we went through a series titled The Life of Moses, where we started at the, the beginning part of Exodus, the start of, of Moses' life, and we, we studied through the story um, and to the Red Sea, to that miraculous uh, freedom, you know, event where God rid the Israelites of, of Egypt and and, um, and then they moved into a new season. And so that's where we ended that series last fall. If you're, if you're curious or want to go back and, and to, to hear those messages that are available online or through our podcast, so you can go into the archives and find that. Um, but today we're going to pick up right where we left off last fall and in that series um, with, with this kind of next phase of not just Israel's history, but also the next phase of Moses' leadership. God raised him up to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and now, now that has been accomplished and now they are moving on from the Red Sea and they're, they're moving forward and, and they're moving forward to what is supposed to be the promised land. Right? And, and that, that was God's plan and will was that he was going to take them into the promised land and yet we realize this journey that should have taken just anywhere from a few weeks to ends up taking them 40 plus years. And this was a big roller coaster, right? That they went on. This was, as you think about, you know, we think about mountains in our logo, right? There was lots of peaks and uh, some really dry valleys. In fact, and they were literally in the desert. And I think as we think about that, and as we follow their story, and realize that 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 they were um, in a place, right, of 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 dryness, right, of of death, even of of struggle. And I think as we think about that and realize right, there are times in our lives that can feel like we're wandering in the desert. There's even times in our faith sometimes that we're like, Lord, are you, are you there? And, and as, as we think about those times, those even dry times, right, the, um, as we, we face those, even if you're in the middle of one right now, as we will see again, not just through, through their story, but through made through God's presence that there is still hope in the midst of those seasons. In fact, our, our, our theme verse for this series comes out of Isaiah 43. And this is where, again, the prophet was kind of was looking at Israel. This is later in their history, but, but he was reminding them of these different seasons, right? And, and of course, um, Isaiah 43 starts out with this description of Egypt, of everything that we'd studied, you know, in this previous section. And, and then we get to verses 18 and 19, Okay, in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, where God says, he says, but forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Right, and as we see again, those, those that incredible promise of God that he gave to Israel that we can claim as well today, right, is that even if you are in a dry season in life, even if you're wandering in the desert, even if you're not even sure what direction to go in, God is already at work, right? God is already working, and he says, just open your eyes, like, can you see it? And if you can't see it, then seek me, and I will show you, because I will show you which way to go. Right? And, and, and when you are dry and, and poured out, he says, I will give you rivers of life. Right? I will renew your soul. He will give us a pathway. Right? And this, again, is theme verse, because this is exactly what we see him do in the Israelites in this season. But like I said, there was a lot of hard times. There were a lot of lessons to be learned. And we're going to glean a lot of those concepts and lessons from them today. And as we do that, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 15. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Exodus chapter 15. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, their Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. You can grab one of those and see the page number there of where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, we're glad to have you as well. And hopefully you have your Bible close and you can um, look it up as well. If not, you can just follow along as I read it. But we're going to start in Exodus chapter 15. Uh, at verse 22, which is right again, right where we left off um, in this last series, you see there. That, then the first part of 15 is this this poem and song of praise, right, of everything that God had done in this incredible miracle to to get them through the Red Sea. Um, and now we're going to pick up here Exodus 15, verse 22, and it says, "Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur." They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. And then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are, you going, what are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. And it was there at Mara that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And after leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there beside the water. Now, I want to pause right there, and and as we see this, again, these first steps of them, right? As they leave the, the, the Red Sea, and they all kind of leave that behind and say, now we're moving into this new season, and they, they start on this journey. And, and at this time, God is leading them on this. God's leading them around, just, just like we saw at the beginning part with the cloud, and God's, you know, leading through Moses and, and guiding them around to where they're going to go. And, and then they, I, I mean, this is a shocker. It was a shocker to them. I know it's a shocker to us, right? Is there was a shortage of water in the desert, Right, and they're going like, wait a minute, we're thirsty. Right? Like we need water. And so they, they find that they finally show up to this place and then they find there is water, but it's not good water. Right, I notice what do they do, right? These people they first they go crying to Moses. Now, if you've ever been in a leadership position before in your life, you can identify, can't you? Right? You get to this place and you're like, I'm just I'm just doing what I feel like is right, and then just the first thing doesn't go perfect. And the pitchforks come out, right? right? And the complaints start and, and all these things. And, and as we realize, you know, in this, they, you, we would think by at this point, right, with everything that has happened with the Israelites, they should know that God's with them, right? That God's on their side, that God will provide for them. I mean, he's done it already so many times, right? And yet, notice what do they do? They just go, they go complaining to Moses, right? And, and then we see, though, what does Moses do? What is his response to this? is that Moses models to the entire nation what they should have done in the first place. Not come crying to him, but he cries out to God for help. right? And this is what the nation should have done. I mean, this was the lesson, right? They've, they've learned this. The God has come through. He's provided for them in so many miraculous ways. And yet, they, they go to, to, to Moses, and then Moses cries out to God for help. And in this situation, in this moment, as, as Moses models this for them, is where we learn the first life in the desert key. Okay, The, the key to help you get through these seasons and the desert. Life in the desert, key number one, is focus on God and his power to work through issues. We focus on God, and we we cry out to him and and rely on his power to work through issues. Again, in the desert, we have issues. In fact, if if you're alive for more than 10 minutes, you realize that that there are issues in this life. And we have issues, and we know that. And God doesn't say that we will never have issues if we follow him. In fact, Jesus tells us exactly the opposite. Jesus actually tells us, in this life, you will have struggles and trials. Right, but that's also not the end of his statement there, is it? Right? But he because t- in that verse, he tells us, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. He's right, saying, if you just look to me, right, when issues and and problems come, right? Don't point fingers, don't, don't blame, don't just come to me, is what God tells us to do. Right, and that's exactly what Moses does. And we we see that this is the key, number one, to when we find ourselves in these desert seasons of life. That is the first thing we need to do, is cry out to God. And and seek the Lord, right? Focus on Him. And and as we see um, in verse 26 that we just read, Uh, we see what will happen if we do that. He says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and obey his commands and keeping all the decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. Again, God is telling them, he, he, he says, this, this is what you have to do. These are the action steps. This is how you move forward, right? This is how you get through this season. Um, You know, number one, task number one, I encourage you on your outline to circle it. It says, task number one, listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. Right? Listen to God. Now, again, that implies in order to listen to God that you have to seek him, right? That you have to ask your questions of God. That you have to come to him, right? And, And actually be open to what God wants to say to you, right? But task number one is just listen carefully to the voice of the Lord. And then task number two is do what is right in his sight. Again, the key word here is do, right? And that's one of the temptations in these desert seasons of life, right? Is that we just want to retreat. We just want to go back. We want to do nothing, right? We want to sit on the couch and binge Netflix and hope everything works out fine. Right, that's the opposite of what, G, what God tells them, right, and what, what God asks of us. He says, in these times, you seek me first, and then you actually do something. Right, and when I give you a directive, then actually follow through and do it, right? This is not a time to just go to sleep and just hope that it all goes away. Right, but we do that all the time, don't we? Maybe it's not just in but you even think about, uh, there's so many things we turn to in life to just escape our issues or our problems. And God says, don't run from it, right? He says, just seek me and, and I will give you direction to get through it. Right? But you've got to do the right things. Right? And so many times, right, we just we just want to escape, right? And we just want to do nothing, right? And just, just have it all go away. Right? And he gives us two, gives them and, and us two very clear tasks to accomplish. And then the story continues on. We're going to pick up here in uh, verse uh, verse 1 yeah, um, of 16. He says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. And there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Oh, these are awesome people. (laughs) Um, Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? And then Moses added, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening, and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. And then Moses said to Aaron, Announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out towards the wilderness, and there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Don't, Don't miss that. Verse 11, Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And as we see this, right, we, we, we see this, these first directives, these first very clear tasks, right, that, that God lays out for the Israelites, and then it doesn't take very long at all before they make the first mistake. In fact, they make a big mistake. The mistake that they make, right, in fulfilling these two tasks is that they focus on the issue instead of focusing on God. Okay, and when they focus on the issue, it causes them to look backwards and they let their minds go to extremes. Okay, what's, again, what's task number one? Focus on God and His power, right? Not on the problem. Because we know we're going to have problems, right? But, but He says, don't, don't focus on the problem, focus on God. And they're, they're, they make the mistake, right, of focusing on the issue. In fact, we see this, right, in verse 3. In 16, verse 3, he says, what they say, the people, they say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, right, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Now again, these were not small problems, right, thirst and hunger, I mean, these, these are big issues, right? but, notice, but notice what did God say, though, even in the text we read it, he says, now I'm going to test you and see if you're going to do what I told you to do, and guess what? They failed. They failed quickly, and they failed miserably. They, and, and we see that, right, in these two extremes. Again, where does their mind go? They're, they let their mind go to extremes because they were focused on the past, right, about oh, how good Egypt was, they, and, and, and which is you know, the, the first lie that they believed as their mind went to these, to these extremes, right? Because the first lie that they let themselves believe was that Egypt was a good place and a land of abundance, Right? Like, life was awesome in Egypt, right? They're thinking that They're like, we had all the meat and all the bread we wanted. Like, God was great. Like, remember, we can just go back just a few chapters to know how terrible it was in Egypt. Right? How much they complained then, right? And and how much God rose at the most. I mean, again, that's an extreme thought that's not even true. Right? And yet, that thought is what they're focusing on their attitude on. Right, and that, that was the first extreme that they let their minds go to. Now, the, the second extreme thought that they let themselves go to because they were focused on the issue instead of God, was that God was going to let them starve to death. Right? They're like, again, Egypt was was perfect and awesome, right? And then the notice, and then the, the next extreme, right, that they let their mind and heart believe, right, was that God was going to let them starve to death. And as they went there, again, that that we see the real problem, the biggest mistake of that, right, was that, again, they were so focused on that and they let themselves go to extremes. And now they're basing their their actions and their attitudes and even their future steps on two extreme lies. And so, again, God tells them, he reminds them again in verses 11 and 12, right, as he speaks through Moses... And he says, I have heard the Israelites' complaints, and now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Again, what's the result, right, of God's reaction after they miserably failed this test? Right, the result, right, that God says is is what they're supposed to do in the very first time right the the first thing the first key that they're supposed to do is to focus on God because so the result if they do this then they will know the truth about God right not about their problem again focusing on the right thing right God's trying to get their their focus their heart their attention back on where it's supposed to be and that is on God himself not on their issue, not on, on the desert, not on hunger or thirst, right? Not pointing the finger at Moses and Aaron, right? But get back to God, right? And, notice, and again, in this, notice the, the real result is then, again, they, then they will know. That's the key, right? Because when you know something, right, then there's no doubt right, there's no question, right, then you will know the truth about God. Okay, now, as we, we see this, right, they get to this place, God says that he provides for them, okay, and in fact, in these next verses, verses 13 through 36, okay, we see that God does what God says he's going to do. He proves that he is trustworthy, okay, and literally, I mean, quail come running in, you know, flying in, right, and they, they, they got, and so they get their meat the next day, this, what, they find it called manna, ends up on the ground, right? It's all the bread, right, that they're, they're told to do. And then in verses 13 through 36, after this shows up, then God gives them very specific instructions on how much to gather, when to do it, all of these kinds of things. And this then is the next test, right? It's the instructions for the manna. He gives them very specific instructions. And, and, and he tells them, right, every morning, only gather this much. And, and and again, do all that, right? And, and spoiler alert, they don't follow the instructions. They, and, and they don't. And, but yet, God you know, molds the whole thing to where they end up, to where um, they have to follow the instructions. Because even when they go out, he, God, God like, spoils the extra that they get. Even those that were lazy and didn't gather enough, he, he multiplies it in their jars so that they have enough. And, and it all ends up to where it's exactly the same amount for everybody, which is what God told them to do in the first place. And then, and then part of that, again, they, they're told this is the first introduction to the, the concept of the Sabbath day, right? Because he tells them on the sixth day, he says, you need to, to, to gather twice as much on that day to get you through the next day, right? So that you have that time of rest to focus 100% on me and not on, on any of the work and, and those things on, for that day. And, and again, they, they don't do it right. Right? Some of them still get up to go gather manna on the on the sab- morning of the Sabbath day, and, and yet there's no manna to be found. Right? And they, they even mess up those instructions. Yeah, as we look at this idea, this, this first key, right? Focus on God and, and the, this mistake that they made. Yeah, and, and as we, we look at that again, I'd say as we learn these, these concepts and these, these lessons, and to say not they, they're very applicable to us, not just because of we're with God, but also because everything points towards the Messiah. Right? Everything foreshadows, everything through the Israelites, through all the Old Testament, the prophets, all of it, it's all looking forward to the Messiah, to Jesus. And, and again, as we see from, obviously the Gospels, right, are in the center of our Bible, not the physical center, but it's in between the, the Testaments, right? And in the New Testament, it is all about the church that points back at Jesus, Right, the Jesus is the subject. I mean, he is, that's what it's supposed to be. And yet we, we learn, right, even in the New Testament, these same concepts. In okay, and, and, and Romans 12.3, he says, Because the privilege and authority that God has given me, I gave each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. And so this is the test that they failed. Right? Because they had in their own mind, in their own areas, so they're like, yes, God gave us these very specific instructions, but I'm going to do it better. Right? I can figure it out better than what God has already figured it out, and so I'm going to do it my way. Right? Again, and they failed that test. And again, we look at, um, as this continues on, Right, that with, uh, again, because we, if we're truly living out this key, that we are focusing on God and... and, and Relying on his power, then that naturally takes us out of the driver's seat, doesn't it? Right? And we kind of have to set our own ego and our own pride aside and say, okay, Lord, I will do it your way. I will surrender my will to yours. And then we see in, the, the, in this next section, Exodus 17, um, 1 uh, through 16. Okay, this is where we have the water from the rock. And I think as we see this, they move on, okay, and they move on to this next place. And then we get to this place, there is no water at this place. And, and, and we, see, we see in verse 1, it says that the, by the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness and they went on to this next place. And then in the very next verse, in verse 2, it says once more the people complained to Moses. And so they, again, they go very quickly from following God's command, listening to his voice, doing what he says, to the very next verse, they're complaining again. Okay, and we see the same concept from before. Again, this time, though, they just moved from hunger. They're complaining about the meat and the bread. This time, they're complaining about, about their thirst, right? They're saying, Where can we have water? This is again where they should have cried out to God, but they made a different choice. Shocker. Right? And they, they went to Moses. And then we see in verse 2. Okay, where it says, so once more, the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink. They demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? Notice Moses takes his, um, his instructions to the next level, right? He's like, guys, you're not coming to me. You're, you're, this is against God, right? You should have learned this lesson by now. Yeah, again, but they they make a similar mistake, right? The mistake they make in this passage is that they blame Moses for the problem that God was ready to solve. And this was truly a matter of misplaced faith. This wasn't just about you know them being thirsty. It wasn't just about them their own egos getting in the way. This was that they had misplaced their faith. Because what's the whole point of focusing in God? Is that my faith is focused there? Right? Not on not on human leaders, not on on organizations or churches or governments or anything other than God. Right? And they blamed the leadership or whatever for problems that God was ready to solve. Again, they have a very short memory, don't they? We can all identify. Right? And as we look at that and realize right, this, again, the, the result, what happens here is God tells Moses to go out and to take a staff and to hit the rock, and he hits the rock, and water gushes out, and they all receive what they need. Okay? Again, the result of this was a physical example of the true heart of God, okay? and that is to move us forward to someplace new not just from hum- being hungry to being fed, not just from thirsty to water, but ultimately to move us from death to life. Right? And that's what God wants for us. This is, this is exactly what God offers us through the gospel, right? through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, through his resurrection. Right? He invites us to move from death to life, to change our identity Right? To, to be not just saved, but to be connected to our creator and that eternal relationship that he so desperately wants with you. Right? That he sent Jesus to set us free, to give us exactly what we need. And that's how you join the journey of faith. That's how you start in a new direction, is you ask and receive Christ into your life. You surrender your will and say, Lord, I want yours instead. I want you to take me to a new place. Right? I want to stop making the same mistakes over and over and over again right? so that I can go somewhere new right? by God's direction, by his leading. Right? The, the next one we get is we see in this next, next passage in verses 8 through 16, right? then they are once again tested. Okay? And the test is, are they ready for battle? Right, now, if we look back um, back into Exodus thirteen, in fact, the reason that God directed them towards the Red Sea when they left Egypt was because God knew they weren't ready for battle, and so God says, "I'm going to fight for them," and He used the Red Sea to con- to conquer that battle. Right, now, in this time after this, test, after they, we see they're making progress. Right, they're actually learning, even though they continue to make mistakes. They're growing. Right, they're getting better. Even though they continue to make mistakes, they are moving forward because now is the test. And they go into battle in these, right, and Joshua leads them into battle for the first time. Is the first time we see Joshua mentioned in Scripture. And then we see, and this, again, a pretty famous battle, right, where Joshua leads them in, and then Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel go up on the hill, and Moses has to lift his hands, right? And every time he lifts his hands, right, that the focus is on God, the glory is to God, they win. And as soon as his hands drop, they start losing, Again, we don't have time to go into the text, right? We're, there's so much to cover in this, but, but there's some major implications to that, right? And in fact, Moses, again, his body's weak, right? He can't hold up his hands, and then they have to help him hold up his hand the, uh, for all day so that they, do, they eventually win the battle. And in fact, we, again, we see the obvious connections to, even to the New Testament passages, especially Ephesians 6, because the reality is if you are following Jesus, you are in a battle, The reality is you're in a battle whether you want to be or not. Okay, but if you declare you're following Jesus, that's when you step up and say, hey, I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to do the right things, right? And I'm going to win that battle. That's what Ephesians 6 verses 10 and 11 tell us. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. All right, we declare victory through Jesus. Right? Are we ready for battle? Right? Are we ready to, to focus on God right? and we get to, to live out that first key? Right? Because the battle's already been won. Jesus wins. Right? We know that. Right? We, and we follow that truth every day as we follow and serve him. You know, it, it, as you see, um, again, these lessons, they continue on. Um, the next one in this next section, Exodus chapter 18, which we do not have time to read. Okay, but I hope you'll read it this week. Dive into these texts. Go back and read them. In fact, if you come on Wednesday, we're going to have a sermon discussion group again on Wednesday, and we're going to dive into this passage, okay, if you want to come to that on Wednesday. But this passage is where it kind of shifts gears. The story, this is a story that kind of doesn't even really fit necessarily in the journey of Israel. This is where, um, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes and visits him in the desert. Okay, And in the midst of this conversation, we see um, life in the desert, key number two. And that is to rely on trusted, like-minded people to help you. And and we see in the the first 12 verses, um, we see where Jethro comes, and him and Moses have this conversation, and he, he catches him up on everything that's happened and how God's worked. They, and, and we see at the end of this passage in verse 12, it says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. Right In this we see genuine, like-minded relationship and accountability as they all seek the Lord together, and they're there together in God's presence. Right? And then we see um, this same kind of pattern where in the next verses, right, in verses 13 through 27, we, um, Jethro points out a big mistake that Moses is making in his leadership. Okay? And the mistake in that is that he's carrying too much himself. Okay? he observes what's happening there, and, and, and he sees all that's happening, and this is what he tells him in verse 17. He says, "'This is not good, Moses.'" Moses' father in law explained, You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Yeah, and and he gives them some very wise advice on how to delegate better. Right, and how to where to he can result and with everybody getting what they need, right? And the result of this will be sustainability if hey, you can keep going on, you can keep leading, right, for the long term. And again, as we look in our culture, especially in the the church culture, is that we have not learned this lesson, right? And and we do not see sustainability, right, and where we're able to go. And that's why, again, that consume contribute is so important. In Exodus Exodus verse 23, he says, If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Yeah, and then the test that came against Moses uh, at, the, at the last part of, of this chapter is where is the test was him accepting this wise advice and actually making changes. And Moses does that, by the way. All right, we see that in verse 24, where he says, Moses listened to his father's laws advice, and he followed his suggestions. Right, even as a leader, he was able to listen to this wise, godly advice, right, through these close relationships and make changes. And in fact, when, if you receive Christ as your Savior, right, and, and, and He comes into your life, you start that journey of faith, there's going to be lots of changes that God wants to lead you in. Right? And yet, we find that victory from day one if we can claim our new identity, right, the new, um, our new I- um, faith in Christ and, and the new direction in our life. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we learn, it says that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun, and that's where we start this new journey of faith, And But again, we have to actually make the changes, right? We have to take the advice of God and of those around us, right, to actually make the changes and move in a new direction to make, take new ground, right? To find sustainability in our life, to find sustainability in our faith, right, and that we can continue to grow and, and be healthy and full of life. And in the midst of that, right, that's something that we, again, can we embrace that as a community of believers together, as an individual following Jesus every day? As we look at these first two keys, that we realize and know that there are times and seasons in life, right, where we feel like we're lost in a desert. But yet we see from these, right, that even in the midst of the desert, there is hope to be found if we can, do what God tells not just them to do, but, but directs us to do? Can we focus on God, on his power? Right? Can we embrace the, the, the love and grace and mercy that Jesus provides? Right? Can we walk together as, as, a, as a community of, of Jesus followers and, and not just move in, forward in our own faith, but to truly shine the light of Christ into this dark world. I, we, thankfully, do not have to stay in the desert, but God directs our paths to take us someplace new. Right? And, we, and we need to grab that hope, especially if you feel like you're in the middle of the desert right now. But the other side of it, if you're trying to do it on your own power and to get through that, right, you're, you're, you will fail. That's why Jesus came. It's to set us free to move us in a new direction with him and his power. Again, I don't know where you're at in your journey right now. I don't know how dry your life might feel, right? How hungry or thirsty you are. But I will tell you is if you're trying to do it without Jesus, that is your next step, is to receive Christ into your life, right? Surrender your will and your way and start to receive him as your savior and start walking in that new direction and claim that victory. If you are walking with Jesus, right? Are you making any of the mistakes that we see them make? Right? And, and again, course correct and get yourself focused back on God and moving in a new direction. And my final thought for us this morning is this. It comes out of John sixteen thirty three, where it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, because here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Again, these are the words of Jesus, and he's crying out to you no matter where you're at in your life right now. Is saying find hope in me access my power right because i have already overcome the world and i want to take you through the desert he is already doing something new will you embrace his direction i hope you will lord god we just invite your presence into our lives god we thank you that you are with us no matter what we face no matter what season we're in but we're thankful that you're with us and god i pray lord the weather we are deep in the dark, dry desert. God, Or we're even on the mountaintop of victory. Lord, that we are there with you. And we praise you and thank you for that. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that as we um, focus on you, Lord, as we rely on your power, as we claim your victory every day, God, that your, your light and your love will move us forward in our own faith. God, and that we would show this world what it means. God, to get through those rough times with you. God, God, our hearts and our minds don't let us, Lord, go to those extremes to believe those lies, but, Lord, to to focus on your truth. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for saving us. Lord, we thank you for walking with us no matter what we face in life. And, God, we thank you for leading us to the promised land. Guide us as we go this week as we continue to serve you with everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.